Yes, the first scripture reading will be Exodus 20, 16. Exodus 20, 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the second reading tonight is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. There was a 51-year-old man who some have named Mr. Pinocchio, and he was uh, had a strange problem. He was a member of the European Economic Union, and he was a representative for it, since replaced by the European Union. And this man, uh, every time it was that he began to tell a lie, he would fall down in a fit of convulsions, and he would have uh, um, lots of uh, physical tics that began to happen to him whenever it was that he began to tell a lie. And they named, nicknamed him uh, Mr. Pinocchio, a symptom... <laughs> His uh, condition was a symptom, a rare form of epilepsy, which was not only dangerous, it was bad for his career as a European Union diplomat. And there were doctors at the uh, hospitals of Strasbourg in France that discovered that the root of the problem was a, a walnut-sized tumor that was uh, uh, on his brain. And what ha was happening was that the walnut tumor was exciting the, uh, the area of the brain that uh, functions, whatever it is that somebody tells a lie. And it is that um, there were, uh, after they were, uh, operated on it, they said this, the tumor was probably increasing uh, his, his brain when no, Mr. Pinocchio lied, excitability caused seizures. Once the tumor was removed, the fit stopped and he was able to resume his duties. The doctor who described the case in 1993 dubbed this condition Pinocchio syndrome. I appreciate this statement for a number of reasons, not the least of which is this man has a problem with lying. This man as a diplomat has a problem that whenever he tells a lie, he falls down in fits of epilepsy and, uh, and, and different, different kinds of nervous tics. But according to this article, just almost casually, it mentions right there in the middle that once the tumor was removed, he was able to resume his duties, which implies that he was able to continue on lying with no consequences, with nobody uh, ever being the wiser regarding it. We are speaking this evening about, especially beginning with uh, this, uh, this ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness as you, against your neighbor. What this commandment has to do with, in the context of our Ten Commandments about holiness, about God establishing and making a holy people, is looking at everybody's right to have an understanding that the truth matters. That when in everyday life, Somebody has the right to speak the truth about you, and you have the right to expect the truth coming out of somebody else's mouth. We could take the time and look at it in, in terms of uh, the judicial system. Here is the right to a fair trial. A person has the right to recognize that there's not going to come witnesses against him that are going to speak lies just wanting to see this man hanged or wanting to see this man uh, go down for something that he's not responsible for. We can talk about it in terms of honest and fair treatment with regard to uh, the to social status and social standings. That is in everyday life. You have the right to expect that somebody's going to be fair dealing with you. If you're talking about the marketplace or friends or neighbors or coworkers or whatever it may be, this person 
can't bear false witness against me and can't carry false witness about somebody else to me. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. This also has the responsibility in talking about things like that the Old Testament addresses, like capital offenses, where you need two or three witnesses in order to, uh, to carry out that, uh, that part of it. But what I'd like to do as far as the New Testament goes, because it's not about keeping the outward law, it's about what's on the inside. It's about our hearts. And I want to get to the root of it and talk about lying just for a few moments and use that jumping off place to especially go to our context of Ephesians chapter 4. I'll meet you there in just a few moments. Lying in general, speaking of that, brothers and sisters, in imitating Jesus, there's a facet of being a Christian that really involves us having the right attitude towards truth and ordering our lives to where truth is held in high regard. More on that in a moment. But when you look at passages that have to deal with this, particularly our speech, passages like James chapter 3 and dealing with the tongue and how the tongue is able to set on fire the course of our lives, and yes, our tongue is set on fire by, its, by hell, about how every bird and beast can be tamed and every reptile and creature of the sea, but no man, James says, can tame the tongue. Is lying still something that you can be a Christian for 50 years and still struggle with? The answer is yes, absolutely. And that's why James would go on by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and say, the one that can control his tongue, he is a perfect man, mature, stable, and, and a person that's, that's, uh, that's grown up. We talk about lying because we want to be godly. We want to be like the God we worship. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 that God cannot lie. Do I lie? Do I want to be like God? That means I need to check my vocabulary and filter those things that are displeasing to God. There are things that are contrary to God listed amongst those. A lying tongue, the things that God hates, Proverbs 6 and verse 16. John 8, verse 44, Jesus talking to the Jews of that day said, You are of your father the devil. He was a liar from the beginnings. Meaning those people were bearing false witness against the Christ. They were saying things that were not true about him. As Jesus talks about his mission here on this earth, in the famous verse, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth to reveal the nature of God to us and to tell us that the truth can make us free. Ought we not then to speak the truth, those of us who have been made free by the truth? I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And I want to understand that the value in the soul is to always speak the truth. You want to have a great life? You want to have a great life? Be a person who values the truth above all. I want somebody to, when there's bad news, and when there's something about me that needs to be addressed, I want somebody to tell me straight, and I want them to tell me quickly. There's a lot of times that people will beat around the bush, so to speak, and never really get around to telling you exactly the truth because they, they want to try and spare the feelings. I'm reminded of the story that, that, man, uh, that I read recently about a man who was returning from his vacation. He was six months in Europe, and as he's coming back, uh, he lands on the ground on the tarmac, and first thing he does is call his brother and say, hey, did you get my mail? Yeah, I got your mail, and your cat died. I'll see you a little soon. Hung up the phone, and the man on the plane was visibly taken aback, and he began thinking, I don't want to leave it like that. So he called his brother back and said, I don't appreciate how you told me that. I don't appreciate that you told me that truth. And the brother said, well, what, did, what did you want me to say? He said, well, you could have 
beat around the bush a little more. You could have said, well, maybe the cat was playing up on the roof and, and the cat hurt its paw and accidentally it fell down and, and it was laying there on the ground and you picked it up and you scooped it up and you took it down to the, uh, to the, uh, to the vet and the vet tried everything that it could and it, it didn't make it. You could have said that instead of just telling me flat out the cat died. By the way, how's mom? Well, she was playing on the roof. And Anyway, anyway, speaking the truth, when we lie, I want you to consider this statement just for a moment. When we lie, we're choosing to speak out of fear or pride rather than speaking out of the truth. When something comes out of our mouth, there's a motivation behind it. And almost always, and I have... People say the root of all sin, if you want to try and boil it down, it's either pride or it's fear, depending on who you talk to. When I begin to study those things together, I find that there's really not much difference. When we tell something that's not true, there's either pride that's involved or fear that's involved. When somebody wants to, um, when somebody says, did you buy that boat? Oh, yeah, yeah, I bought that boat. Well, if you if you only leased it, so to speak, and again, this may be a poor example, if you only leased it, that's not the truth. But what's the motivation? Well, I don't want this person to think less of me because I didn't buy the boat. I don't want this person to know that I didn't really buy that boat, and so there may be a measure of pride involved. There may be a measure of fear involved. When we tell truths, when we tell the lie, the kids or the parents come in and uh, they were went to sleep before the kids' curfew. Did you come in before 10? Oh, yeah, yeah, I came in before 10. Not if you came in at 11. What's the motivation behind that? Fear? I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want mom and dad to come down on me hard. And so you can really boil down lying to a speaking out of pride or speaking out of fear rather than speaking what's true, what's honest, what's, well, what's right. Note these things. As a simple definition of lying, how can we bear false witness? Note that we can, with these three parties, tell lies. We can tell lies to them, and we can tell lies about them. Start off with God. Start off with God. Jeremiah, in dealing with people of his day, particularly false prophets, it is in Jeremiah 5, verse 12, in dealing with false teachers, Jeremiah says they have lied about the Lord, that he's not going to bring destruction on these people. That was a problem in Jeremiah's day was, oh, the Lord's not going to send us into Babylon. Jeremiah doesn't know what he's talking about. I have a message from the Lord, and the Lord told me that we're not going anywhere. That Jeremiah, he's just all mixed up. People have lied about what it is that the Lord has said. No religious teacher's ever done that today, I'm sure. There are people who lie to God. Citing again, Acts chapter 5, and Ananias and Sapphira, when they came and laid that amount down at the apostles' feet, and Peter looked at him, Ananias, and he said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. We can lie to God. We won't get away with it, but we can lie to God. Note this, we can lie to or about others. There's a couple of passages here that you can look up in your own time, but you can take a look at Exodus 20, verse 16. The verse, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. This precludes the possibility, yes, I can bear false witness. Yes, I can bear false witness against my neighbor. I can lie about them, and I can lie to them. Here's the other thing. 
We can lie to ourselves. We can lie about ourselves. That's an easy one to prove, right? That when we're trying to make ourselves look better, we can say, oh, yeah, 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 I can bench press 300 pounds. I don't know. You know, there's things that we can say in order to try and make ourselves look better. So certainly we can lie about ourselves. Can we lie to ourselves? Look just for a moment at James chapter 1, verse 26. James chapter 1, verse 26. James, in speaking about practical, down-to-earth Christianity, says this in verse 26. If any man thinks himself to be religious, that's what I think about myself, but he doesn't bridle his tongue. He's going to discuss that more fully in James chapter 3. He says, but deceives his own heart. If any man thinks himself to be religious, but bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is useless. You're going to call yourself a religious person, and you're not going to guard what comes out of your mouth. You're just fooling yourself. You're lying to yourself, James says. I don't want to be guilty of that. That's why we need to really emphasize the truth and speaking the truth and thinking the truth and having both on the inside and the outside the right character. How do we do that? How do we do that? Last couple of minutes this evening, give, let me give you four points, all based upon one verse, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Flip over there, please. And I want you to see each one of these from this section. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. The book of Ephesians, all about the church that Jesus purchased. It's all about how it is that he set us up and raised us and set us in the heavenly places in Christ. <clears throat> about how it is that God has made both one out of two, Jew and Gentile. He's put us all into one body. And the book is split right down the middle. The first three chapters are all doctrinal in nature. It's all um, the nature of how God has done what he's done and why it is that he's done what he's done. When you get to chapters four through six, you've got him looking at it in a very practical way. What is it that this means for us? How is it that we respond to these things? And note what he says down in chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, it's very practical. It's very down to earth. Let every man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Four quick points. Number one, we've got to cultivate, brothers and sisters, a love for the Lord and a love for people. We've got to cultivate a love for the Lord and a love for people. Let's justify this from the text. Beginning verse 25, the first word you have there is a therefore. When you have, see a therefore, you look to see what it's there for. It's there because he's talking about the way that the Gentiles walk. Just previously in the context, he's talking about how it is that they're walking around in darkness. And as he's talking about this, look at verse 20. He says, you have not so learned Christ. That's not what Jesus taught you. You don't continue walking around in darkness once it is that you've been made a child of light. You don't continue to walk around in, 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 in the lust of the flesh like the Gentiles do. That's not your manner of life anymore. The Lord made you new in this. Jump down to verse 24. The Lord wants you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I appreciate the new man that Christ has made me. Because I love the Lord, I want to speak the truth. That's the love for God. Let every man speak truth with his neighbor. 
Note what he says at the very end of the verse. For we are all members of one another. Brothers and sisters, the only reason why I would ever speak the truth to you is because I love the Lord and because it is that I love you. And I don't want you to go around believing a lie and I don't want to go around telling lies to you or about you. And the only reason why I'm going to do that is because I'm trying to characterize and, and have the character of Jesus Christ. I haven't learned Jesus Christ being selfish and being uh, lying to everybody that comes across my path. I've got to cultivate that love for God and that love for people if I'm really going to make a difference in my speech. That's the way God wants me to behave. That's what God wants me to say is the truth. Putting away lying, speaking the truth. Number two. You've got to speak as you want to be spoken to. Let every man speak truth with his neighbor. Let every man speak the truth with his neighbor. Ephesians 4 verse 29, a couple of verses down in the context. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what's good and uh, for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. It's not just also about speaking the truth, it's about speaking what's edifying for the neighbors. It's about speaking what's honest towards the neighbors. We could couple this with the golden rule, Matthew 7, verse 12. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You want somebody going around telling you lies? I don't. I want somebody to deal straightly with me, deal fairly with me. Therefore, I need to be a person that deals straightly and deals fairly with somebody else. Brothers and sisters, it all begins with right thinking. It begins with thinking soberly and righteously and thinking with right judgment, having your senses exercised to say, this is good, but this is best. Through your precepts I gain understanding, the psalmist said, therefore I hate every false way. It means I have to think through true things in order to speak true things. Let me say a word about this before we leave. I can jump up a couple of verses in the context to Ephesians 4 verse 15. The Bible says, Speaking the truth in love. There's a whole lot of people today that will pride themselves on the fact that they can just tell it like it is. Oh, I'm going to give him what for? I'm going to tell him the truth. <laughs> well, it may be that your words become tactless and cruel because you haven't tempered the truth with love. Truth must be tempered with love, the right attitude, cultivating a love for God and love for people, but also speaking the way that it is that you want to be spoken to. Number three, stop the lies as they happen. Stop the lies as they happen. I had a poster on my classroom wall when I was a teacher. I probably have mentioned this before, and I apologize if I have. It said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. You know why? Truth just goes on being truth. But sometimes it is. A lie can fly out of our mouths almost casually. Something that's just a half-truth can fly out of our mouths casually. Half-truth is still a lie. And as you have that fly out of your mouth, the best thing you can do is stop right there and say, wait a minute, what I just said was not right. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you what's honest. Let me tell you this. I apologize for what it is that I just said. This is what the truth is. See, politicians, when they get caught in a lie, they say, oh, no, I misspoke. <laughs> it's still a lie. 
It's still a lie. The best thing we can do is stop it right there. You know why? Because it's in that moment that we have an opportunity to kill that lie before it gets going. Because lies seldom travel by themselves. You know that? Sometimes when you tell a lie and you lay that down, then all of a sudden you have to tell another lie in order to cover for that lie. And then another lie in order to tell it, cover that for that lie. And it goes on and it compounds until it is that the damage is done and the trust is broken. And it is that you're now in a situation because of the choices of your speech patterns. You have some serious fallout to deal with. The best thing to do is to stop it at that moment. Now, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual in nature for pulling down strongholds and, 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 and casting down arguments. And he would go on to say, we bring every thought into captivity under the obedience of Christ. The best thing for me whenever it is that I find myself speaking something that's not true is to stop that right there, grab onto that, and take it captive unto the obedience of Christ and say, Christ, I don't want this in my life. I don't want to be this type of person. I don't want to have this type of character. God, help me to purify my speech that I can speak the truth with my neighbor. Last one. Hold the truth in the highest regard. Hold the truth in the highest regard. God is the God of truth. God wants us to speak the truth with our neighbors. God wants us to be godly, and to be godly is to be Christ-like. Christ would never tell a lie. Christ loved the truth. Christ loved people. Christ values people that hold on to the truth. There's an emphasis on the New Testament on the truth that we hold to, the truth that we speak, and the truth that we trust in. Lying is not a trivial matter, but we try to make it trivial. As I mentioned, the politicians say, well, no, 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 I just misspoke. We talk about telling little white lies. There's no such thing. We'll just prove that here in just a moment. Little white lies. Brothers and sisters, I want you in your mind to put the truth at the utmost pillar. At the utmost point of your everyday conduct and your everyday dealing, I want to deal as I deal with the truth. I want to deal with this person in honesty and fairness. Parents, let me encourage you. I had a preacher give me this advice years ago. When you're disciplining your kids for various infractions, I recognize that all uh, disobedience deserves punishment. But one of the preachers told me a long time ago, and I appreciate this. He said, when you have a child that lies to you, or when you have a child that tells a lie, he said, you need to deal with that in a very special way. He said, you need to have some more severe consequences based upon that. Why is that? He said the reason is, is because you want your child to value the truth more than anything else. You want your child to obey the truth and not be a child that's learned how to deceive. Some kids, because they've told lies for so long, and some adults as well, they are very good at it. I don't want my kids to be good at lying. I want it to be as uncomfortable as it possibly can be as it comes off their lips and comes out of their mouth. I don't want them to be able to just rattle something off and have me immediately believe it because they just told me with a straight face. You hold on to those kids and you teach them that we're valuing truth because I want you to listen to the truth, I want you to obey the truth, but I want you to speak the truth. It's that important. 
I don't want my kids at some point in their life because they've lied so much and so often that they begin to lie to themselves about things like salvation, about things like the nature of God or about who they are as a person. The danger is too great. But that begins with me holding the truth in the highest regard. That begins with me speaking truth with my neighbor, but expecting others to speak truth with me, especially in my own household. Hold the truth in the highest regard. We like to classify sins sometimes, and we like to think of some sins as more serious than others. And sometimes in our society, just based upon the nature of the way things are portrayed, we look and say there are some sins that are far, far worse than others. If I may, some have the idea that homosexuality is way on up there as far as sins go. And way on up there as far as the ones that are deserving of the wrath of God. And, and there are people that will take homosexuals and they will put them in a special box and say, Aha, you have the judgment of God coming down on you. Let me draw your mind to two passages as we close. Look at Revelation chapter 21. Next to last chapter in your Bible. As the revelation is about concluded, John receives this vision of the church in its glorified state. It's what a lot of people believe is going on here in Revelation 21. There are some that make the argument that this is the church as it is now. But note verse, verse 8. Note the list of sins that he gives here. And note the single one that has a descriptor added to it. He says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and the brimstone, which is the second death. Brothers and sisters, when you see that word all in front of liars, you see that there's no such thing as a little white lie. We know that the, one of the things God hates worst of all is a lying tongue. I don't want to cultivate that in my own life. I don't want you to cultivate that as a life of one trying to shine the light of Christ so that others can see your good works and glorify you. I don't or glorify your Father in heaven. I don't want somebody to look at you and see your character and say, "No, no, no, you don't. You can't trust that person." Every other thing is if their lips are moving, they're lying, or they're lying if their lips are moving. I want more than anything, for God's will to be done as far as us putting away lying as the church, speaking truth, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth that glorifies God. And I'm thankful, I'm eternally thankful for the grace of Christ that covers us as we continue on towards heaven, progressing in maturity, recognizing that his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. First John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Thank you so much for listening so well. I hope it is that you know that we love you. I hope it is that you know that we're all in this together. That we're here to encourage one another and strengthen one another to be everything God wants us to be as the church. But it is in dealing with those things that we're going to have to deal with sin. And sin's like lying. But I also appreciate the fact 
that the one who was full of grace and truth came and showed us how it is that he wants us to live. And I'm grateful that his grace still reaches me. Thank you for your attention. God bless you this week. Let's stand and sing.